0: in Nashville has concluded, and it was clear to all that participated that the scope of the event has grown significantly since its debut last year in Miami. On this episode, I once again chat with James Ada, Director of Strategy and Business Development at MediCon Systems, and Grace Mitten, a Seasoned PR Director for Amendola Communications, to get their vibe on this year's Vibe. I'm your host, Carol Flagg. Take a listen as we each give our five takeaways from a conference. Well, Grace, James, uh, the band, uh, once again, is back together again for our uh, reunion tour that we have a couple times a year. one of them, of course, is uh, when we go to these big conferences and we get to think about how the conference unfolded and digest uh, what we saw and experienced there. And we're talking today, this special episode of What's My Tagline, about Vive uh, 23, which concluded... Uh, Recently in Nashville, uh, so good to see, good to good to hear your voice and um, and hang out here for a little bit as we talk about what I'm calling our five takeaways from Vive. But before we begin, uh, let's start with your Vive tagline. I should have pulled up what last year's was, the inaugural event of Vive, but uh, I didn't have that foresight. So <laughs> so maybe it'll, it's the same tagline you used last year. I'm not really sure, but let's start with your Vive tagline for 2023 Nashville. Grace, we'll start with you.
1: Sure. I would say, you know, my tagline is always empowering the patient voice in healthcare. And to me, it's really important that we see patients as experts. But I'm going to update that this time and say, empowering the patient as informaticist. Oh. I strongly believe that patients are having their own tech stack now. They are managing their own health in a way they've never been able to before. And Vive really showed us that. Oh, that's interesting.
2: James. Oh, well, first of all, thanks for having me as well. Super excited to be here. Um I think I'm going to take a a note from from Grace as well. Normally I say something like making clinical data working for providers, but um I do agree with with what Grace said in that uh, patients are becoming more empowered in their clinical data and so really for me it's about making clinical data work for everybody. Oh, yeah, I like it. Patients I like it. Included.
0: Yeah, there was uh, obviously a, a pretty big emphasis on the patient um, as there was in health. I mean, even though it was VIVE and that was really health IT centric and health is a more broad based kind of conference. Um, I think there were lots of reoccurring themes from the health event in November in Vegas that translated into uh Themes at thrive in Nashville. Well, okay, so we're gonna do like a virtual drum roll, please, and we're gonna do our five takeaways, and we're gonna start with number five on your top five list. And James, let's let's let let's have you kick it off.
2: Yeah, I think for me, it was number five was the sort of lack of major ground shifting innovation changes to me. That was Mm. my, the first thing I saw, um, at least on my list of of sort of big, huge takeaways, but I I was, I sometimes expect to see some really huge ground shifting. Um, I thought maybe that would be like a chat GPT, but we can get to that one later.
0: Ah. (laughs) Everybody's favorite buzzword. (laughs) Grace.
1: Playing off that, I think my number five is AI all day. It seems that people really kind of understood what CIOs were going to be coming to the table with at five this year. And the biggest issue they really need fixed is the burnout happening in clinicians and nurses on their staff, and they came wanting AI to help fix that. Yeah. Uh, were you know I agree with James. There weren't you know too many groundbreaking announcements of new things necessarily, but I think there's definitely more of a trust that AI can handle. It and can handle a lot of the mundane tasks from the rev cycle in the back office to the front office and automating some of the uh, conversations happening with patients at, at, and other things like that. So definitely, my number five is AI all day. Yeah,
0: uh, my number five is uh, blockchain is dead. That there was absolutely zero on blockchain yeah. like, that is just you know, on nobody's radar any longer no conversations uh can we say no more no more blockchain yeah, uh
2: I definitely not see a lot of blockchain talk That's
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I think we're going to be coming up to stuff that people were talking about but I'm saying number five what wasn't being talked about <laughs> all right um number four takeaway
2: Yeah. So I guess my number four would be, I guess, similar to to what Grace said for number five, which is, um, well, first off, less less chat GPT than expected. So I I did come in thinking, you know, there would be this huge talk about chat GPT um, and, and that, you know, In some circles anyway, people are saying, oh, it's going to, you know, everyone's going to lose their jobs and all this kind of stuff. And I don't think we're quite there yet. I certainly don't think that it wasn't on the tip of everybody's tongue, Um, but certainly the idea of making some sort of artificial intelligence um, algorithms working inside your your system to to uh to support the core functionality and reduce some of this burnout. Uh, certainly, there's some expectation that things can be done there. Um, you know, on, on for our part of Medicom systems, we we talk about clinical intelligence, um, and and that sort of leveraging real expert knowledge rather than just some sort of machine learning algorithm that's trained on Reddit or something like that, Um, but actually really relying on expert algorithms to help things out. And I think that's becoming much more accepted in an industry as a whole.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Grace.
1: When it comes to chat GPT, I heard more conversations about chat GPT in the press room than I did on the exhibit Mm -hmm. hall floor. So what that tells me is people are really seeing the vision for it. Uh, But they're not necessarily it's not being implemented in day to day vendor operations quite yet. Um, And what I heard in the press room is that some of the CIOs are starting to use it to help with patient engagement or they're starting to use it to help um, with some of the even prior off things happening in the back office to help, you know, with some of the, uh, the things that they're doing on that side as well. And so CIOs are excited for it. Um, and and honestly, I think they see the promise it could have with vendors. I just don't think vendors are quite ready for it yet. And there's a ton of HIPAA concerns with the fact that it's not de-identified data <laughs> It's by a professional. Right. And so ChatGPT has all these great potentials, and it, it could be really used for good. But the fact that the information is not de-identified by a professional is really concerning for not only technologists and hospitals and health systems that are putting themselves at risk for HIPAA, violations, but for patients as well, who could have their, uh, their data just thrown on chat GPT, which could be using it or selling it however they'd like.
0: Yeah. I'm going to wait on chat GPT for a second, but then we're going to get back to you, Grace, to hear your number four takeaway. My, uh, interesting enough, I sat, uh, at lunch with, a with a guy who, uh, with a vendor who worked, uh, at, at IBM for 20 years and really is, you know, in the, in this AI space. And his thing was, you know, ChatGPT is not going to turn out to be all that in a bag of chips, you know, just, you know, dampen your enthusiasm for it because uh, as you pointed out, Grace, and you did as well, James, you know, the implications in healthcare have to be really thought of, especially from the, from the data security side and usage of, of, of that kind of AI technology. Uh Go oh, go ahead, James. Yeah. Just
2: to add to that, I mean, it's it's not just the security issues, which obviously are are gigantic. Mm-hmm. I mean, Grace Grace explained them quite well. I think the other thing is that you know there's huge risk if it gets something wrong. A lot of these algorithms, the machine learning algorithms, all this kind of stuff, if they're not based on some kind of expert backend knowledge, it, I mean, a- anyone who's worked with a chat GPT knows that it gets things wrong quite often, and uh, but it makes it sound like it's not wrong. And so <laughs> yeah. the, the, risk, the, the risk of um, using that in any kind of live environment where someone's health is in the mix um, is, is quite scary. I mean, people are already talking about, oh, we could use this to self-diagnose and all this kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that I think is really, really scary, um, and and the professionals in the industry recognize that that that's a gigantic risk. So yeah, I think these tech type of technologies, as Grace said, I mean there there are applications for them. The question is where how do you implement them in an area that's low risk, so that you can maybe um, automate some kind of task that's super repetitive, um, but that doesn't have you know somebody's health you know, as a, as the huge risk factor there. Right.
0: Right.
1: This actually leads perfectly into my next takeaway, which is four. that uh, <laughs> there were some really meaningful connections happening the way they all, that vibe sets it up. You all have lunch together. You know, you all kind of are the exhibit hall is, in the middle, and there are four different kind of talks happening at the same time, and so everybody's kind of together, walking through the exhibit hall, going from a uh, panel to panel. Uh, there are some, um, you know, health equity type conversations happening on the floor. And really, some amazing, meaningful connections happening, but really at five where they missed the mark here was they didn't really have patients there at all from walking the show floor patient advocates walking the show floor caregivers walking the show floor or even folks like that on these panels when you're having conversations like you know, on topics like chat GPT or like AI and healthcare, their input could be quite useful and valuable at this point because patients are using it to self-diagnose and they are using it to self-triage. And so in many cases, I think it sounds like they are going to be collaborating with Savvy Coop and uh, Jen Horanjeff's association next year to get more patients on the panels and more patients included. And I'm excited to see that because I do think you know, if we're going to be making huge innovation discussions and, you know, choices being had at a huge event like this, having patients included is, is really helpful and useful.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. More more patients are better. Uh, my fourth takeaway, is, you know, really, as you brought up the exhibit floor, my uh, number four takeaway is hosted buyer lounge. Wow. It went cuckoo crazy in a year. I was shocked like that was a happen in place to be and I was like good to see but I heard some folks and you might have heard the same thing said that they tripled tripled or quadrupled the hosted buyer launch this year so I thought that was pretty impressive
2: well and we we had heard something like we um we had not used it this year but based on the feedback that we got from uh, other customers of ours and other sort of people in the industry, which we were very surprised with, because you know, in in the past these hosted buyer things have not been particularly, um, you know, widely thought of as to be very valuable. Focused, yeah. Focused yeah. and valuable, mm-hmm. yeah. And so we we heard quite the opposite at this time is that people really really like them and that they they were successful. And so we're we're definitely considering um, doing that for for next year.
1: Yeah we had a number of digital health clients that did it this year and they actually had CIOs reach out to them through the hosted buyer lounge. So not only were they reaching out to folks to set up a, uh, Times to chat, but also potential leads were reaching out to them to chat about what they were doing. So that was exciting. And a number of digital health companies also said they had follow ups that said, We want to learn more information. And I think that's really the next step where you really find the value. Yes, the conversation is great, but when they say we want to learn more, that's really exciting to see. Uh, I did see the hosted buyer lounge was packed. Folks seemed to really appreciate uh, the value they got from that. Um, But then also folks that had a Chime membership, they really lucked out because there was a Chime lounge and a lot of CIOs were hanging out in there. And if you have a Chime membership, you could also go in there and, you know, get a a drink of water and sit down and have some great conversations. So in addition to some of the conversations happening on the floor, that was another way that digital health companies found uh, value.
0: Yeah. I thought it was interesting too. You know, I think Vive sort of took a chance. I don't ever remember a host buyer lounge. Normally you go in and it's kind of blocked off. This was wide open. Like people could see that it was packed. You know what I mean? And a lot of activity, you know, very, very kind of gutsy. And I, I think that, I think that, I think that paid off. James, number three, ta- or we're number three. Yeah. Number three well, takeaway.
2: Well, number four, I think I still haven't hit my number four. Uh,
0: uh, anyway. Yeah. You did chat GBT
2: okay so number three okay I'm, I'm turning I'm keeping, I'm, keep,
0: I'm keeping track <laughs> good good uh,
2: okay so number three for me uh had to do with amazon and some of these other um large organizations that are pretty seriously entering the um healthcare delivery space i think the the big one for, for me being Amazon, I, I managed to sit in on one of the breakfast talks, as Grace mentioned, um, where you just sort of having your breakfast and, and people are um, talking about these big ideas. And, and one of them was with Amazon, uh, who have been, I would say, a bit quiet about their specific movements They've been stealthy, I
0: guess. Stealthy, yeah. Stealthy.
2: Which which you wouldn't <laughs> expect a company as big as Amazon to be stealthy, but anyone following their moves in the last, you know, 10, 15 years could tell what was going to happen. Um, with their launch of One Medical on the Amazon site now, and and it looks like they're really starting to push Amazon pharmacy I expect to see that really expand very rapidly um, for them to become a pretty dominant member in the in the pharmacy mail order pharmacy space, uh, as well as the delivery space. And so the question then becomes: you know, what are the move the next moves um, for them to sort of wrap things up? Is it a, is it a move into payer? Is it a move into uh, home health care? So I, I would really seriously keep an eye on them because I, I do think that they're going to really kind of change the, the whole space and they have the capability, especially with all the data that they're, they're going to get to, to make some very serious uh, changes to the whole system. So that was quite big for me, obviously, you know, the CVS and Walgreens and some of the other vendors that are kind of going into a pay Vitor, uh movement as well. So kind of just watching all of those, those things happen, but Amazon specifically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Grace.
1: Yes, you could really see them on the panels too. There Mm -hmm. was CVS, there was Walgreens, there was Kroger's, there was Best Buy. I mean, they were really very vibrant on the panels and having a strong opinion about what their take is and what their position is in healthcare. And exciting to think about and see what that could become uh, for the future of healthcare. I think everyone will benefit. One thing that I saw on the show floor, kind of in that similar vein was health systems having booths this year and health systems actually selling some of the different digital health technologies they developed in COVID. And so that was something I did not anticipate. And I did not think, you know, was, I knew some folks were starting to do that, but it, really at five, you could see it on the forefront with them having their own booths. I think vendors went thinking, oh, I'm going to make some connections here for them to buy my technology. And we're uh, a little shocked to see them <laughs> selling the technology, trying to sell the technology to them. So, very interested to see what this new health system informatics program will do to the industry in terms of either bolstering competition or, you know, potentially changing some folks' business models.
0: Right, right. My number three uh, takeaway is Nashville. I tell you what, I just thought. It was a great location. I thought Vibe did a great job with, you know, that continual theme of the music uh, music scene in Nashville to the Black Crows concert. I mean, really, uh, I thought sort of like a perfect environment, I, almost perfect, I guess, to bring everybody together and everybody hung out like right there. I mean, you know, they do a great job just like health does breakfast, lunch and happy hour, but still everybody hung out in a very kind of confined space, even within the city because we were at the National Music Center.
1: And that leads to my number two, actually, because leading into Vive, we had the collapse or, or of SVB happen. Yes, I mean yeah. huge economic problems happening with First Republic, both banks really backing most digital health companies in the industry. And I think everyone was thinking, are are people going to back out of Vive? Like, are they still going to go? Right. And people showed up to Vive. People showed up. But there was definitely smaller teams instead of the larger teams that they may have had at health. Uh, There was definitely less pomp and circumstance happening at the booths. I think people were being a little bit more responsible. But, you know, given the dire state of the economy, it was kind of a question. What's it going to be like in Nashville? Will people show up? And they did. I do think there were less parties than there typically would be. And, you know, in the after parties after the event, most of them were co-sponsored. So multiple companies who were collaborating joined together instead of having the typical large party thrown by one company. I think people were being a little bit more fiscally responsible and the type of swag that was at the booths. I mean, it was a lot less this year, you could tell. And I think the dire state of the economy was one of those reasons james
2: yeah no I, I i did think that same thing coming into vibe i was like oh this is going to be an absolute bloodbath um i i expected to see a lot less of the vcs i thought that everyone was going to be a lot more sort of down um, but they didn't seem to be they still seem to be i'd say pretty positive um, it did feel a lot more sober to me. And as, as Grace said, responsible thinking. Um, and, but I did still get that feeling from, you know, from the VCs and from some of the financial people that they were looking for sort of breakout unicorn kind of, you know, ideas and, and new innovations and stuff like that. So, it, and and everyone I spoke to from the VC community said that they had some kind of... Um, history with Silicon Valley Bank, but they all managed to get their money out. So they're okay. Um, but, but still being, you know, trying to be responsible and, and sort of n- not sure what's going to happen next. So I, I definitely got that feeling too. Um, my number two was this whole, the growth of these data lakes, the um, data um, intermediary companies uh, you know, we, we saw sort of the beginning of the rise of them. I think a year ago at Vive and now we they seem to all be growing much faster. Um, and, uh, but what I, what I also noticed is that still nobody's thinking about, okay, now that, now that this data tsunami is going to come to us, um, what are we going to do? How do we make sense of the data? What do we do with it? Once, once we receive it, nobody's even got there yet. So, you know, these big players are emerging. Um, but but no one's really figuring out what they're going to do with that data once it starts flowing on the receiving end.
0: Yeah, and I think that's certainly why, um, obviously, a big conversation uh, at the event was, the, you know, the RC had already selected a handful of QHINs and they were all represented there, you know, and so obviously that's a unfolding conversation and game plan as we go forward. I mean, Mickey Chapathy talked about it, in his keynote, um, you know, all of the QHins I think were represented there one way or another, either at the booth or their or speaking sessions and whatnot. So I I totally totally agree with that. Gracia, if you'd like to weigh in on that?
1: Anytime I talked with a the CIO, they really talked a lot about how the economy is impacting their ability to make any types of buying, making decisions. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that weighed on them heavily at five, because yes, they could see how this one technology could really impact how they operate business from all ends of the, (laughs) the healthcare ecosphere, but they really have to have a priority and focus because of the state of the economy and not knowing exactly how healthy their health system is. And so, you know, I do see that there are, you know, issues with how folks are going to handle data, how they will use data. I think the folks that are being smart about it will find new income streams through data and are really coming up with uh, intelligent purchasing purchasing decisions that, that make sense and open up new income streams, like potentially opening up data rooms uh, in the data in their health systems to help pharma answer some research questions, things like that. I think uh, people are thinking smart about it, but it sounds to me like most CIOs are also really focused just on getting their clinicians better and whatever that it takes to do that. And, you know, if, you know, automating uh, mundane tasks helps, that's great. If uh, mental health, uh, telehealth of sorts for them, that's great. I mean, it seems to me like they're just trying to figure out ways to make that better. And they're putting a lot of the other things on the sidelines.
0: Yeah. My uh, number two takeaway is really if number 3 was nashville was you know a great great location the tragedy that school sh- shooting aside that happened while we were there which i think increased that somber note i think that you guys both mentioned at the conference i going forward it would be great and i don't know if it's because vibe is just really you know about health it and uh, digital health but but i really wish going forward i'd like to see a little bit more health at Vive, do you know what I mean? Because health just felt, obviously, I think more entertaining. I think everybody remembers, um, it was Vegas, of course, but Nashville is an entertainment capital as well. It just felt more lively and not as Obviously serious, but not as serious a tone, I think, as the Vive event had. And again, you know, you guys are talking about you know the the lack of money and what happened with you know the 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 Silicon Valley Bank, uh, all those kinds of things. But it would be nice, I think. Number two, inject more of what you do at health at Vive.
1: Yes, although they did have puppies,
0: they did have the puppy park, right. Right. The puppies were puppies. really
1: helpful, I would have to say, with the folks that lost all their money to SVB and then got it back. But <laughs> I would say that it was a helpful therapy tool. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Those yeah. puppy those puppies got it got really like petted out after a few hours. I kind of felt bad for them. But
2: and, and I feel like they did that a little bit. Um they did that a little bit of vibe last year. Uh, I mean, you know, it was in South Beach, Miami. Uh, it was it felt a bit ostentatious last year. And a bit, And I remember coming and being like, my goodness, this is way over the top. So it, it felt like maybe they scaled that back just to kind of be more in line with with the Silicon Valley Bank thing. But well, I don't know.
0: It felt it felt they felt. Last year, in I, Miami, Miami Beach and you know, South Beach, it, it didn't feel anything like hymns, and it was the first year or whatever from an experiential standpoint. Um, this year, I thought, even in, it was Nashville, it, it felt more like hymns, a little bit more hymns-like, I guess, in tone. I definitely <laughs> agree with that, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. All right, drum roll, please. Number one takeaway. Who wants to go first?
2: I'll, I'll go. Uh, so uh, for me, number one, And I I knew this was coming, but uh, I I caught you mentioned Mikita Pathy's talk. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number one for me was interoperability enforcement finally happening. Um, You know, he mentioned in that same talk, and again, once once again, hats off to the the way that they structured these talks to be in line with sort of you know just going and picking up your breakfast. I really like that. Um, But but uh, you know, he he mentioned the the QHens just got announced and that interoperability enforcement was coming down and that they're in the next six months going to lay out the specifics of you know who's going to be in charge of that and how and and, and all of that so uh we should be seeing that very very soon i'm, I'm quite excited because i do think that that you know the carrot was one thing that the stick i think really will will make a huge difference
0: grace
1: My last is just the excitement, I think, of the industry of there being more holistic care for the patient generally. That data is being used from the bench to the bedside, from all sense of the terms. And I think interoperability is going to make that happen for us. The more patients have access to their own data, the more they're empowered and the more these consumer technologies can have a better impact on on what we're doing, and we can all work together better as at an ecosphere. So that's just something that I was really excited to see. Just this rise of translational medicine and what that could mean for the patient, really being a more, being able to really control more of their own care and having it be less of let's go to the doctor just because of a symptom. And now let's take control of our day-to-day lives because we know that's truly what holistic care is and what it looks like. And that's what the healthiest patient um, does. And really seeing that the industry is looking at health equity and saying, you know, let's make healthcare more accessible to all and let's make this available to all. So that's, that was exciting to see. And uh, my last takeaway.
0: Yeah. My number one takeaway is I think hymns should really, 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 really be worried. I really think that. And I think that for a number of reasons. I, I know you guys agree with me. Number one is that oh, I think yeah. with, because of the, la- you know, m- money and whatnot, I mean, you know, these hospital systems are going to have to make choices. And I think the clear choice from a C-level standpoint is going to be VIVE and they're going to send more of their, I- you know, IT uh, department heads, maybe some clinical staff for certifications to HIMSS. But more than that, when I heard that VIVE was going to be in LA next year... I thought, you know, that's really interesting. You know, they are not going to be, um, you know, just you know, it's not a question of who can hold us. I mean, you know, they've already said that they're going to. They're they're talking about capping attendance at some point at ten thousand. That they say that's the most it'll ever get. And I hope they I hope they stay true to that. That's what Steve Lieber was was was, was saying on 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 the the chime stage but more important you go to a city like LA or New York you know I think it sets the tone that you are a big city event right I think it allows for more hospital systems to participate like what Grace what you were talking about not just as attendees but also to be you know set up shop there right I mean you know Kaiser Permanente is probably pretty happy that Vibe is in LA next year and I I think that him's should be seriously concerned i think that there are things i would like a little bit more health like environment at vive um I don't want them to expand it beyond what they are from a concept standpoint because then it's, it'll be too much like health. And I love the fact that they are different, different experiences and different conferences, but I think it could be a little bit lively. And I just think this idea of like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to go to LA and maybe we'll go to New York or, you know, I I think is really setting the tone for the future.
2: I I mean, I, I totally agree with that. Every, Every person that I spoke to, um you know all com- sort of compared and contrasted and, and said you know we're 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 scaling back our presence at, at Hymns. we have to go to Hymns just cuz it's the longest and biggest and whatever but um everyone seemed to prefer Vive as an experience and with Chime being there now, that makes a huge difference, and and sort of going forward, I think that will make a, a big difference as well. um And certainly, you know, we plan to increase our presence at at Vive and decrease our presence at hymns to to sort of account for that. So, and and everybody I know kind of said th- this the same sort of thing. I think, especially if they have, you know, they cap it at ten thousand people. Um, maybe there is room for both, um, but certainly some people will make will be making decisions on one or the other. You know, for us, we're gonna we're gonna go to both because our customers will be at both. But not everybody's gonna be in that situation, and so I I would also be pretty pretty concerned if I was if I was him.
1: You know, I kind of think both can learn from one another. I think Vive could have more heady conversations, more kind of stronger, in depth real life stories type conversations that HIMSS have. I do think VIVE would benefit from that. I do think VIVE would benefit from having more patient voices on panels like HIMSS has. I think they could really benefit from that. You know, I do think HIMSS could benefit from maybe going to a fun place in one of the coming years <laughs> and maybe joining in on some of the things that make VIVE fun. So I do think they both have a place still in this ecosphere that we call you know healthcare IT. Uh, I do think they both can learn from one another. And similar to James, a lot of the digital health companies that I work with are saying yes to both. There's yeah. they're not quite saying no to him's yet, but they are decreasing their spend because they, they are saying yes to both.
0: Yeah, they are decreasing their spend. And part of it too, just from a him's perspective, you know, locked into vegas orlando and chicago is i think you know their intention is to someday someday be back to forty thousand, right and so you know they may you know you make these commitments i mean you don't make them a year out you make them it's like the olympics right you make them a few years out right and i think that uh if they if they go to another city i think then they kind of acknowledge that maybe they won't get back to this pre-covid level of participation. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't ever see that happening anyway. Um, even if there wasn't a, a vibe, I I don't think we'll, we'll, we'll ever get back to that level again. That's just my opinion. Uh, but I agree. I have a lot of, a lot of clients who, you know, took a, this year, especially took a booth in Nashville and then, uh, a meeting room, you know, in Chicago, you know? Um, so it'd be interesting to see if, if Hims does pivot just from a location standpoint, once they get the next couple of years done, you know, will they go to a different market, right? Uh, you know, a, a more fun experience. Well, will uh... To
2: Grace's point. I mean, there's a lot that Hims could learn about being able to put on a, an event the way Vive has like having you know those big speaking engagements is the same room as your breakfast having having food provided for everybody mm-hmm. including the exhibitors and the you know and the attendees that's that's good that people actually want to eat i mean yes it's a cost but when you filter it into you're it into the the cost of your tickets and all this kind of stuff it's it's not it's not astronomical. So these are things that they can be doing that they haven't, because I think probably they just haven't been pushed, but certainly once they start seeing people pulling back from the spend, because it's not just the exhibit space, it's flying people there. It's, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so people will pull back the spend. Um, maybe that'll, maybe that'll get their attention.
0: Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Well, James Grace, thank you so much for your time today. This is always fun. I always enjoy talking about, uh, you know, these conference wrap up, uh, that three of us have, have going, I will not be at hymns in Chicago. Um, but let's do a, what's my tagline episode anyway, after you guys back, because I would love to hear what you have to say about hymns and that experience. And then hopefully we will all be together again in Vegas, once again, for a uh, health in the health in the fall. So again, appreciate
1: your time. Thanks so much for having us on today, Carol. It's always great. Thanks
2: so much for having uh, me as well. And uh, of course, if you want to, if you want to see me, I will be at HIMSS. James, you
0: will be at at HIMSS. Booth number, booth booth number.
2: Yeah. Booth number 3741. Medicom Systems will be there. There we go. There we go. I'll also
1: be at HIMSS and I'll be hanging around the media room if you want to come by and say hi. (laughs) Everybody wants to come by
0: and say hi to high tea with a grace. (laughs) I want to do that. that. All right, guys. Well, I'll see you later in the fall for sure. Thank you. You can learn more about James Ada at metaconf.com and follow him on Twitter at Health Tech James and learn more about Grace Vinton at ACMarketingPR.com and follow her on Twitter at High Tea with Grace. Learn more about this show by visiting the program page on HealthCareNowRadio.com and follow me on Twitter at Carol Flagg or, of course, on LinkedIn. Until next time, I'm Carol Flagg and I want to know, what's your What's your tagline?